Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Kingdom 101 Relationships. It is Wednesday, and we are here in the month of March. I believe today is the 9th. I kind of need to pay attention to that. It is March 9th, and I am Pastor Lindsay Lee of Astounding Love of Global Church Fellowship, and I'm really happy to be here tonight to continue with our Bible study. As I explained uh, last week when we did a live teaching, what I want you all to understand is that We're doing this very differently now. Tonight, I'm going to teach by myself. I'm here at home and I'm going to go ahead and share some more on, uh, we're talking relationships. We're talking personal relationship with the Lord, relationship with ourself and relationship with others. And we're looking at some of the detriments, some some of the ways that the adversary will try to derail you and get you off track from the things that the Lord wants to do. And so I want to kind of talk to you about that a bit. And then what's going to happen next week is I'm going to do a one-on-one type of uh, discipleship type of class. And one of the folks that I get to spend time in the word with is going to join me. And we're going to just kind of go over some different things on the same topic. And then what will happen is I'm going to come back the week after, and I guess I could look at the calendar, but I'm not, but the week after, and I'm going to teach one more Uh, like this in the home, and then come back the next week with another one of my favorite people that I get to do Bible study with. And then that final week, that's about one, two, three, four weeks, the fifth week, I will be back with uh, some of the same people that joined me live on um, our big open one. And those are some of the ministers that are in training that we're going to really start looking into this word. And we're going to talk about these things and we're going to apply them in in every conversation that we have. We're looking for the kingdom. This is kingdom relationships. It is not merely relationships. So I want to open in prayer and then we will dive in. It's not going to be a very long period of time. And I tend to sit here and marshal my thoughts until I'm ready to start. So I don't believe this is posted quite at 6.45 p.m., but I do know that you will have it, uh, that you do have it probably around seven o'clock in the evening. And this is, um, I'm about an hour ahead of that right now. So just to let you know, that's how fresh off the pot it is, off the, off the pot, fresh off the pot. Okay. No, that's not right. It's fresh. <laughs> it's, it's pretty, it's pretty recent kind of things like that. Father, I thank you so much for the laughter and the joy that we get through relationship with you. I thank you for the power of the blood of Jesus and the love of God that really works in us and through us and for us. I praise you. I thank you. I glorify you. I bless you. And I wait upon you. Uh, This is a message that this is a teaching. This is a training. This is a lifestyle that you want your people to have. You have washed us in your blood. You have cleansed us. You have purified us. You have set us apart for yourself, but some of us have gone astray. And so this is about letting us know what you want us to know to enable us to walk in a greater trust and intimacy with you. And so I praise you and thank you so much for all of the hearers of your word and all of the doers of your word and all of the receivers of your truth and everything that gives you pleasure, that that grants your heart's desire being fulfilled for us and in us and through us. Holy Spirit, I submit to you and I listen to hear what it is that you have to say. I have no agenda, sir, other than 
to only say what you give me to say and do what you tell me to do. And beyond that, there's nothing for me. And I, I'm so blessed and honored that you like spending time with me. And I thank you for teaching me how to increase my time with you and make it really worthwhile. I mean, you're amazing. And so I bless you and I praise you and I thank you tonight for all of the things that are transpiring in this ministry, in our church, and within us. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. All right. What we have been talking about, uh, just briefly, really, I've been looking at the topic. I, I started it out as a teaching to say this is an assignment against purity. This is uh, one of the things that tries to rob you and me, uh, any of us, of our gift that came from God, which is this intimate relationship with him. Now, most of you who are parts of our house, you know that I have a real thing for uh, talking to, uh, talking about relationship, talking about intimacy with the spirit of God, and that I am at heart a romantic. I love the passion of God. I love the romance, the story of his love for us and the things that he uh, wants to do in us and through us and for us. I, I'm just absolutely incredibly in love with the ways that God uh, treats us. And so one of the things that, that I have noted, because much of the message that comes through in the body right now is about walking in intimacy with God. We're being called to that. We're being called to draw closer to him. The message about sonship and about the spirit, uh, father, the heart of the father toward his sons. It is all about us growing up to become mature sons in him. And a mature son has an intimate relationship with the father. Now you'll find that in Matthew 11. Actually, you're going to find it throughout the gospels as we read about the times that Yeshua Jesus would spend in prayer or would talk about my father, my father, my father, and everything that he said that, that you saw in his day-to-day -day interaction with individuals, he was letting us all know about how close and intimate I'm going to go spend time with my father. I'm going to, um, I'm going to have this wonderful opportunity to be with him and, and to share him and to love him. And I'm going to tell you about him and I'm going to give you insights into what he's like until I finally tell you when you've seen me, you've seen the father because I am the son that is the image, the express image of him. And so this is something that when you look at the walk of Yeshua Jesus, when you look at Jesus of Nazareth, when you see the things that he did, or you see the absence of certain types of things in his life, you see that as a man that was that is in the earth, he walked a pure life. He never, um, he did not, uh, how do you say it? He did not stumble. He did not ever do anything that was against the will of the heart of his father. At the heart, at the root of who Jesus is, what we always heard is, if it pleases my father. And so that tells me, that tells all of us, I believe, that's the direction that we ourselves have to look at. Do, is my, do my actions please the father? Now I'm going to take a small segue for a moment. I want to 
I believe I've taught this before, but I want to, it's in my spirit to, to do something with this before we go on. And I, I think that it'll give us maybe a better insight. If you look in the gospel of Matthew and you look in chapter six, which I didn't turn to, but I will, um, we see in Matthew chapter six, where Jesus gave, taught the disciples, they asked, how do I pray? And I personally believe that he did not give them a prayer to pray that he that was foreign to himself. But that when they said, Lord, teach us to pray, or he said to them in Matthew six, he said, when you pray, then you shall not be as the hypocrites. So he has been observing the prayer life of, of, of individuals. I really eternally he has done it. But during that season that he was in the earth, he's watching the way that the hypocrites prayed. Now, that's a very interesting thing because he said, I don't want you to do it as the hypocrites. And that word hypocrites is design, is those that are under. Um, they are actors is what he called them. They're not real. They're counterfeit. They have a religious count, uh, religious counterfeit is what that word uh, hypocrites. It's an actor under an assumed character. Um, a dissembler, somebody that just kind of plays a role. And he said, when you pray, I don't want you to do that. Now, I mean, that right there just kind of goes against all, so many different people's lives in, in the sense of saying, uh, if you have a posture of prayer that you always assume when you say, let us pray, thou heavenly father. And, you know, you go through all of this kind of nonsense well, then you're being a dissembler. You're being a hypocrite. Because he said, that's not how you normally are. I want you to enter in to this conversation with the father, enter into your closet. Because, you know, when you go into the closet, when you go into a place where no, you're not on, on display, where nobody can see you, you're probably not the same person as what you may be publicly. Now, I'm here and I'm sitting in front of a camera and I'm trying to figure out which thing to look at. So I'm looking up, I'm looking here because if I look at me, I don't know that I'm looking at you and I want you to get eye contact with me. So we'll find out. Anyway, when I'm here and I'm, I'm in the house by myself, I may as well be in a very big closet. But what I've learned is, is that I'm in that closet, even if you were here, if you were sitting right here with me, then I could I can see your faces and I'm going to interact with you to a certain extent. But I'm still going to stay in that rooted, grounded place in him because that's where I feel safe. I feel safe when I'm with him. You know, and that kind of bears to mind the scripture in the Proverbs, I believe it is, where it talks about the fear of man is a snare. But those that are abide and, and, and have that trust in God, and I'm totally blowing the, the, the quote but here. But what I really recognize about that passage, you said, but you, you're safe with me. You can trust me. You've the fear of man is a snare. Trust me. Walk in the fear of me. Stay with me. Stay in my love. Stay in my protection. All of that is, I think it's Proverbs 29, 25, and you can look it up and correct my, my quote, my paraphrase. But what I want to say is I feel safe with him. I feel that when I, I know his arms are around me, I know that I'm sitting here and I'm talking and I've got people in the house that are doing whatever it is that they're doing. But right here, right now, even in exposed to a camera, when I talk about who he is and what he says and what he does, I'm safe. 
And it doesn't matter what others think. You know, sometimes it doesn't even matter what I think. What matters is what he says. And that's the hallmark of this. And Jesus said to them, he said, I don't want you to be an actor. Actors love to pray standing in the synagogues in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. That's what he was saying. That's what the hypocrites do. This is Matthew 6, 5. And he said, but I say to you, they have their reward. They've got the applause. They've got the attention. That's all they're going to get. They're not going to get answered prayers because they didn't pray. They did not pray. They performed. And he says, but you, when you pray, verse six, enter into your closet. And when you have shut your door, pray to the father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret shall reward you openly. And what I love about that word closet which is the Greek word uh, tameon or tameon. It's a storehouse. It is a, uh, a place of retirement and privacy. They call it a chamber. They also call it a closet. But because we are in a spirit coming in the spirit realm, you see at that time that the disciples were learning how to pray, they were doing the best they could doing their utterances and so forth, but they didn't have the spirit to spirit connection. And I believe that he spoke those words and he gave them something that said, this is what I do. This is how I do it. That's what Matthew 11 says when he says, watch how I do it. And that's the message translation. See the way that I flow with the father, because I'm inviting you. I'm going to invite you to come and learn how I do the things that I do. And so here, uh, and I'll, I'll go to that one if I think about, about it after I finish the, these thoughts. He's saying, I don't, I don't parade myself in the streets to talk to my father. I go into the secret chamber. I go into the place in him. See, this is what he was telling us because Jesus didn't pray from earth to heaven. He prayed from heaven into the earth. He prayed spirit to spirit. It was always a spirit to spirit connection. How do we know this? Because the Bible told us that when he was baptized and Holy Spirit, the father spoke, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It was the spirit of God that released his, his voice into the earth again. And it entered into his son and it testified of his son. And it let us know that the father and the son had a relationship before Jesus had done a thing. I heard, um, I, I, I would give credit to the minister if I could recall who actually said it, I've heard more than one person say it, but it was someone in, in a loving unity zoom call. And uh, um, I don't want to name the wrong person, but I heard it, them say that the heart of the father, even before he had done anything at all, the father had already given his approval. I am pleased with my son. And as of yet, my son hasn't done anything other than get baptized. He's passed it. He's he's uh, given the devil a beat down, Satan a big a bit of a spiritual beat down, and and he's gone through a few things. But but um uh, no, actually, he hadn't even done that because he was being baptized, and then he was going to go into the wilderness. So I correct myself. So what happened? The father is pleased because we're his sons. And that's what he wanted them to know. He says that when you have shut your door, and I, I that word door is, is speaking um, of your gate, your mind. When you have shut off every opening, every entrance to yourself, 
when you have shut yourself off from any kind of thought, any kind of behavior, any kind of belief that is contrary to who the father is, I want you to come into this place with the father and I'm going to open up mysteries to you. I'm going to start developing intimacy with you. You see that secret chamber, that quiet place when you come into this place of intimacy, come on purpose to be intimate with the father, come into this place where he will begin to speak to you about himself in you and, and things that he sees. I personally had that kind of encounter this morning and it was really interesting because I, I've been experiencing um, some some transition. I've been going through transition for, for quite a while now. And uh, I'm coming through into a place where things are starting to, the change is being seen. And when I was listening to the Lord this day, this morning, you see, I had, I had to make a decision about some things that I was starting to appear to be uh, failing. Let, let, let me bottom line it. Uh, I went away for a couple of weeks or uh, for a week. I was uh, in in uh, Oklahoma and man, I ate a lot of meat. I'm here to tell you. And I ate more than I, I typically have over the last eight months, nine months or whatever it is. And when I came home, I had um, not protected myself when, which I usually do when I change, reach, go from region to region. And so I ended up with, uh, I could feel it when I got on the airplane and it, it's something that's happened to me for years but I had to put a stop to it, which was that I could feel the change. I'd spent six out, five or six hours in the airport, in the air conditioning and in the cold. And then I was in the change of temperature in the enclosed place on the airplane itself. So being subject to all that direct air upon me, it started messing with my sinuses. And, and so I got the froggy voice and, and all of the other kind of stuff. I wasn't sick, but I was fatigued. And so... I did not eat right. And a lot of the habits that I have acquired and, and the lifestyle changes, they kind of sat by the wayside because I was being lazy. So I, I noticed that I was eating more of things that I don't typically eat or I eat in very small portions and that there's been a change in the way my body has temporarily looked. So bottom line, I gained some weight it looked like. And it's like, no, this is not the direction that I go. And so I was struggling. I found myself actually struggling because the temptation was there. And it's like the Lord said, but you already have the tools. You don't get into maturity. Your maturity is being challenged right now. You get to decide whether you're still going to be a child or you're going to be a full grown son in this area. Are you going to exercise authority or are you going to whine and make excuses? Well, yesterday, I, I had gotten back on the right, what, what we call my, it's, it's a lifestyle. And I gotten back in stride, but I could still feel myself wavering. And that's when I realized, wait a minute, that's because you were trying to make this decision without seeing how he does it. And so that surrender and being in that quiet place. And all of a sudden, I just knew that I knew that I knew I'm snapped. I'm back. Do I, did I suddenly change physically? Oh, that would be good. <laughs> Uh, but that that you, that will be seen very shortly anyway, because that's the truth about me. But the point that I want to make is that inside of myself, something had stepped, snapped back into alignment. And the spirit of the Lord, when he spoke to me this morning, he let me know that heaven saw my decision 
Heaven not only approves my decision, but heaven recognized this is truly, that is who she is. That decision, I didn't even articulate it. It was inside of me, but it was noted. And so in the spirit realm, if you understand what I'm saying, my spirit person came into alignment. My true self came into alignment with what the word of God says about me. And because of that, the rest of me, my physical body has to bow and submit to the truth of what God has said, because my spirit has bowed and received and aligned with the truth of what God has said. If that's too deep for you, uh, please make sure that you send your questions and and we'll we'll do a better job of, of answering. But I said all that because I just wanted to let you know when I heard him this morning, it was in the secret place. It was in that chamber where he could speak to me before I even got up out of the, uh, you know, rose up for the day. But I'm hearing his voice and I'm hearing him talk and I could feel the treasure of his, of his presence, if you will, spilling out, pouring out of me and yet into me, strengthening me with might in my inner man. This is the power of his word. This was what happens is you spend that time in intimacy with him and he fills you with himself and he is his word. And so I, the father who sees what happens in secret, he heard my heart and, and the words that I was speaking directly to him, the decisions that I had made, but I didn't say it out loud, but he rewards me openly. And that will be what? According to his pleasure, not my pleasure, but my, my pleasure is to please the king. And when the king is pleased, the king expresses his pleasure in our lives. So whoever that's for, please take it and let's, let's do all, let's all do this thing together, people. Let's, let's have that victory together. That's what this is about. And so here he says, so you shut the door, shut your mind to anything that would, would try to interfere. This is a private conversation, a moment of intimacy um, with my beloved. And he will reward you openly. He'll express his pleasure. He'll let everybody know. He'll showcase you. He'll point to you and say, this one, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Why? Because I did the right thing? No, because he gets to do his thing. He's pleased because we simply yield. He's pleased because he created us. He's pleased because he gets to be our father. And I think those things right there, just the fact that he can call us his, just the fact that he can call us his sons, that pleases the heart of the father so much. These are my children. This is my beloved son. I, 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 my son, I love my child. I love my son. That's, that's what he's saying. And, and you don't do a thing to earn that. He's expressing his heart. And so Yeshua said, verse seven, Matthew six, he said, but when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Now, first of all, he's talked about the hypocrites. And then he went on with the ethnicos, the, the, the Gentiles, the heathen. Who is he talking about? He's talking about those that were not his own. He's saying they are outside of covenant. They are foreign to the ways of heaven. They are foreign to the ways of the kingdom. So they worship, it's, they practice paganism. They, they 
are very prone to worship. They, they like the idea of having a God. They like the idea of having many gods, but they also like the idea of, of doing all of the human stuff that you get to do to earn things from, from these gods, these false idols that never, ever actually do for them what all of the, all the hype, you know? And so he said, I don't, I don't want you to use those vain repetitions, those chants, those things that they have to say over and over and over and over and over again with no results, but they're told this is what you've got to do. He said, they think they shall be heard for their much speaking, but you're not going to be like them. You're not going to be like the hypocrites and you're not going to be like the heathens. <laughs> I've been both. Okay. He says, for, because your father, you don't need to tell the father all these things that you have need of. The father knows. The father knows what you need before you ask. The father knows, like a mother knows when a child needs to be fed and sometimes the smell before they ask, before they cry, before any of that, you know, the father knows what you have need of. This is what Yeshua, what Jesus said. Jesus was basically telling them, so what I don't want you to do is pray for your needs because you don't need to. You don't have to pray for what you need because the father knows what you have need of. So he says, what I want you to pray is father who is in heaven. I want you to proclaim his holiness. I want you to say your kingdom come. I want you to call the kingdom into even, even before they were born from above. I want you to call the kingdom into the earth realm. I want you to call for or send. And now for us, it's your kingdom is here. And we speak from the seated place. But before they were able to ascend and be in the kingdom, he was saying, still ask for it. Ask for the kingdom. Call for the kingdom. You're calling in the earth for the manifestation of the things that heaven has in store. And then he said, tell God uh, your will is to be done in earth as in heaven and tell him to give you this day that I was, in other words, I receive from you today, my daily bread. That's where I want to really stop, but I'll go ahead and finish it. Verse 12, forgive us our debts. And what is the, 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 the clause, if you will, the forgiveness factor that debts are forgiven as we forgive our debtors. And then he said, and you won't lead us into temptation, but you deliver us out from evil because the kingdom delivers us from evil. The power is in the kingdom. The glory belongs to God. And what is the time signature on that? What is the time date stamp? Forever. Amen. Forever. This is so. Your word is forever established and settled in heaven. It will never be. There's no end date, no expiration to this truth. And so he established, he's saying, establish the kingdom with your words. Use your words to, in, to bring the kingdom into the earth, to release the power of the kingdom into your lives. And I believe, verse 11, where he said, give us this day our daily bread. That the daily bread, I, I looked that up and, and as the Lord was ministering to me, I realized because bread does not just mean uh, your the loaf that you slice into and butter or oil up. It is that, but it's also uh, food of any kind. And so what that was saying to me as I, as I heard him was, you remember, uh, there's a couple of scriptures that are really, I found very interesting about bread. One was when Jesus said, my bread is to do the will of him that sent me. He also said to, uh, when when Satan tried to tempt him, and he said, turn these stones into bread. Now, I just, somebody catch this and have some fun with this. He said, 
Satan said to him, turn these stones into bread if you be who you say. And Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone. I live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And isn't it interesting that then in, when he was teaching later, he said, who of you would think if the father, if you ask him for or if a son, child asked you for bread, who would give him a stone? And so he turned that thing around. He's like, first of all, this one is asking me to take a stone and turn it into bread. And I'm saying to these others, if you were a child ask you for bread, would you give them a stone? You see, uh, these are the idioms and the, and the ways of, of the customs and, and the way that things were spoken. Because even though it's written in Greek, it was a Jewish conversation. And so I just thought, wow, look at what he's using, how he takes bread and he, he turns it in the two different directions to let us know. You see, if you being evil know how to give good and you would not give your child a stone, but you would give your child bread, then don't you understand that the father does, does even more so and does above and beyond? I want you to get the heart of the father toward you. You ask him to feed you. He's not going to give you uh, something other than uh, that which is going to sustain you and that which is going to fortify you and that which is going to mature you and that which is going to grow you and that which is going to bless you. So the hardship, the stones, the rocks that come in, in, in those sense, some of that comes from decisions, hard heartedness, uh, going a, a opposite direction. Even when you're going through the trials and the tests that purify I honestly believe it's a test of maturity that is that the Lord is saying to you, the gifts are already in you and it's time for you, son, to grow up and to start exercising the authority that I've placed in you, the abilities that I've given in you, exercise the grace that belongs to you. And, and it's things of that sort. In other words, it's already in you to overcome, but you will never overcome if there's if you don't step forward as opposed to retreating, you know, there's this test, here's this trial, use the giftings that I've put in you, use my word, take my name, take the, take what I have given to you to use to overcome. Most of all, be in that secret place with me and see how I do it. And that's your solution to coming out of hardship. Do it the way I show you that's it's, it's an open book test. That's something Apostle Baker likes to say. You don't have to figure it out. Come to me and let me show you what to do. And you do that. And so my belief, I said all that to say this, my belief is that Jesus never ever went to sleep without knowing that everything he did in that day pleased the father. Why? Because that bread, that daily bread is also your assignments. It's whatever it is that the father had on his agenda, on his heart to be accomplished that day. People you talk to, places you go, blessings you receive, blessings you release. I believe that the bread, he said, what did he say? My bread is to do the will of my father. It's to do what he, what pleases the father. I have bread to eat that you don't know about. So my daily bread, give me this day, my opportunity to allow you to fulfill your pleasure through me. And it's just another way that you can look at it. But to me, I'm like, so every day I get the opportunity to do the things that my father shows for me to do. And then at the time I lay my, lay my head down, he's pleased. Like, oh, look at my precious baby is, finally, is going to sleep. But look at the day you've had. 
Look at the, the healings or the words that you released. Look at the bills that were paid. Look at the, for others, look at this. Look at what you did. Look at the healings that you released. It's something. Every day when we arise, we get the opportunity to please our father. And when we go to sleep to say, and I, I'm just beginning this, but it's like, father, were you pleased with my day? Or were there areas that I missed out? Areas where I did not listen to you, whatever it happens to be. We get this opportunity. Now, I know what I'm talking about. You say, well, I thought you were talking about the assignment against purity. I am, but I'm coming at it from the place of purity because you see, this is a pure life. This life that Jesus led, this life that he, he walked and he talked, one of those things that he definitely showed us was in everything that I do, I live to please my father. Now, if you look in Matthew chapter 11, and I just want to give us that real quick, verse 25 in the message translation, and um, this is the, for those of you King James people, this is come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I shall give you rest. And that's this passage of scripture right here. It's Matthew eleven twenty five through verses, verse 30. And it's in the message translation, but I'm not going to read all of it. I'm just going to, to, I, I love verse 30. He said, keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And also when he said, uh, verse 29, he said, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. So if you feel like you're laboring under grace, he didn't give it to that. You, you may be laboring, but you may be laboring against the righteous cause. Because he said, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you if it's on you. And it's it feels like, wow, but it's it's it's. It's, it just feels like so much pressure. Then look in the spirit realm. Go back into that place and say, I I, 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 I want to hear you. Now, I, I got to answer this for somebody. And then I'm going to go on with the last part of what we're going to talk about tonight. Because I can hear someone saying, yes, I've tried that. I've done that. I've gone in the closet and talked to God and waited and waited. And he's not talking to me. And I want to say to you that your frequency has changed. He is talking to you, but you're still trying to hear as a child and you've been called to grow up. And so what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to shake it and say, you know what, Lord, I'm, I, 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 you know, what I, my recommendation, pray in tongues, pray in the spirit. If you don't, if you do not have your prayer language, then reach out to somebody, reach out to us. If you need to get, receive your prayer language and pray in the spirit. And say, I'm ready to change the frequency of my hearing. I'm ready to change the, if you will, change my radio station. Because I'm only getting distortion. I'm not hearing you. And it's like, it's not, you're not hearing God is not because God's not speaking. It is because you're still trying to get God to do things on the same level that you've already, that you always have. But he's called for us to come higher. And remember, we, we don't. I think so often we look up in the sky and we try to hear God, where are you? Why aren't you talking to me? Well, you know, you're actually, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's like talking to somebody, you live in the same house with somebody and you're supposed to be having this daily conversation with them and you walk outside the door and stand on the sidewalk and turn around and look at your house and start yelling at the person that's inside the house to have this conversation. Why aren't you talking to me? I cannot hear anything that you're saying. I'm talking, I'm talking and you're not saying anything. Well, how would you know? 
you're outside of the house instead of staying inside in that place where that person is. What did I just tell you? Get in your seat in the heavenlies. Ask if you don't know how to do that, if what I'm saying is going woo, right over your head, then ask the Lord because it's time for you to recognize that the Bible says that we are seated in the heavenlies in Christ. We are all seated in him. This is the unity. This is the communication that we get. And you can hear him because he's in you. You can hear him because you're in him. But if you're trying to hear him from outside, that would possibly explain why you have not heard. And if you need more clarity on that, write your question and, and, and contact us. I, I Because it's a true word. There's more than one of you. But if you're not hearing and you've been complaining about not hearing, it's because you are not listening in the place in which he is speaking. All right. So uh, that's all I have to say on that. And so the other scriptures I just read were Matthew 11. I paraphrased it, but I'm going from verse 25 to um, verse 30 in the message translation. And that was about what Jesus is saying. Watch the way I do it and, and, and let me show you. You don't have to reinvent anything. What you want to do is stay according to the pattern that I've already established. Now, Having said all that, I'm going to finish this out with this. And this has already gone in a totally different direction from what I thought. But the assignment against our purity, one of the things that is that spirit of harlotry. And so I want to just give us some definitions. And, and in a couple of weeks, we'll pick up on this. Or actually next week with my um, Bible study partner that, that joins me, uh, we're going to kind of go over some of this. So I uh, believe uh, Bertie's going to be my guest. And if you're hearing this, I want you to pay attention because we'll talk about these things. So the spirit of harlotry um, is what we're thinking of. Now, harlot is defined as a, one of the ways they say it is that it's a woman that prostitutes her body for hire. Um, that's not the same as a prostitute because men are men can also be prostitutes. But harlot was a word like they would call women. Oh, there's some ugly names and I'm not going to repeat them. But but um, this is what, what they were spe specifically referring to the female version of a prostitute. All right. Um, or they call it a common woman. But it can also be a common man because there are men that will sell themselves to the highest bidder. In scripture, however, a harlot is defined as one who forsakes the true God and worships idols. Now, this is a vast territory and we're, we can, we're, as we explore it and we start really looking at it, we're going to see a lot of different places where you can find that. And you will also find for a scripture reference, if you want to do a little homework, look in Isaiah chapter one and see what you see about harlots in that particular passage. If there's anything there that comes to mind from what we're talking about. It's also a servant or a cheat. That was another thing, that harlot, that cheat. And um, somebody that is base, low, uh, lewd, they live a low down, ugly, dirty life. In other words, they have been contaminated. They're, they're not pure. They're defiled. Now, the word whoredom, which is another kind of aspect of that, is also lewdness. It's a practice of that. And it's a practice of... Um, of what they call uh, prostitution unlawful commerce with the other sex. It's unlawful. It is applied to either sex or any other kind of illicit 
commerce. So that can be um, illegal drugs, that can be smuggling, that can be trafficking of, of, of those kinds. It's anything. It comes under whoredoms. Now, I'm not going to go through a, a chart of how demonic things are connected and so forth. It's enough to say it's demonic and, and it's it's something that defiles you. It, it, it takes away your joy of life. It taints your the quality of your life. And what do these things have to do with, uh, you might say, well, how, how is this really connecting to kingdom? Well, just stick with me and we'll connect the dots for you and you will be able to see um, some of the things that we're talking about. So in scripture, idolatry is the deserting of the worship of the true God and for the worship of idols. So here you see Harlot, one of the things in scripture, it's a person that forsakes the true God and worships idols. And in whoredoms, it's the deserting of the worship of the true God for the worship of idols. So idolatry and harlotry are connected. And, and that's where we start getting into it because what we're talking about is the ways that the things of the world are, are, are assigned to get you and I off track. For me, it could have been that I can't, I can't break this habit of eating this or doing that. That would be I, uh, something trying to put itself on an altar or on a throne to have me come and worship. I, it, I know that I was doing well uh, with God and I was doing well with, with the way that I ate and stuff, but I just can't get enough of this, whatever this food is. And I've got to eat this, or I've got to drink this, or I've got to do this or whatever it is. What it's, it is, is an invitation from darkness to come and worship at another altar, to come and bow before a different ruler and to allow your belly to allow, because the belly, one of the translations of that in the Greek is, um, it's the, it's the seat, it's the throne of your soul. It is a place where you bow your will and submit yourself to follow after whoever is sitting or whatever is sitting on that throne. And so these are some of the ways that I don't do. I want you to desert, not the double S food, but desert, run away from, abandon the worship of the true God and come and worship these tangibles, this food type or this this entertainment or whatever it happens to be. This is coming after our purity. So I could tell you basically that what I experienced over the last couple of weeks was an attempt, uh, a spirit of har a harlotry type of assignment, a spiritual assignment to try to get me to revert to the days of old, the days of misery, the days of panic, the days of fear and suffering and, and torment because I could not get a handle on food. I did not know what to do or how to do it. I was scared of it. You're not supposed to fear that. You're supposed to fear God, you see. And so uh, in, that, in that very simple way, this is precisely what I was experiencing is what we're talking about. And so lesson learned. I am not, um, I, uh, anytime you allow idolatry of any kind, the worship of other things, anything other than God, you're coming into bondage. You're coming into subjection to an evil ruler that will, that actually belongs under your feet. So I don't know, I'm not a contortionist, but I imagine it's kind of ridiculous, uh, a strange posture, isn't it? 
to, to think that you're going to come out of the seated place in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus to get down and crawl underneath the thing that's under your feet, the demonic, and to bow in, in allegiance to a fallen spirit that your Lord, true Lord, has overcome, has defeated, and you were supposed to walk over it, not subject yourself to the influences of it because what i'm talking about is the influences of darkness and the influences of this world now the word purity is interesting because it means something that is not mixed there's no mixture it's clean it is a uh, freedom from foulness or dirt it is um freedom from guilt or the defilement of sin it's innocence in within our hearts, I'm not talking about uh, uh, I'm not talking about the way the world defines innocence, but the way God does. It's really being and walking in and living a blood washed life, the blood of Jesus that has freed us from the defilements and allowing His blood to continue to speak um, on the inside of us. It means freedom from contamination by illicit sexual connection. Now, I want to go very quickly to Isaiah 54, verse 17, which I, I've used before, uh, that um, that it says there that no weapons formed against us will prosper. So let's look at that particular passage, uh, that particular scripture. And I have to switch my little Bible um, uh, things over. Now, I know you've read it before. Now, in the message translation, it says, but no weapon that can hurt you has ever been forged. <laughs> Think about it. No weapon that can hurt you has ever even been created. Any accuser who takes you to court will be dismissed as a liar. This is what God's servants can expect. I'll see to it that everything works out for the best. That's his decree. The King James says, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue shall rise against thee in judgment, you shall condemn. This is your heritage, the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, says the Lord. So what he said is, your heritage is God's righteousness. God says, these things come against you, they come against my righteousness. In other words, we get to reside in a place of purity in him. And all of this mudslinging and this dirt and this, this other nasty stuff that's being thrown at us, we, as we stay in alignment, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, and I'm not coming outside to talk to you. I'm not coming outside to the, to the pig pen. I'm not going outside to the things of this world to try to find you. I'm going to stay in you and let you meet. You show me the things of heaven. Show me the things of the kingdom, because that's where, where you've called for my supply to come from. Does that mean nothing happens for me in the earth? No, that's not what it means at all. What I'm saying though, is that it's a release from the kingdom that is guaranteed to bless and not to harm. And so we will explore that more. And again, those that are going to do Bible studies with me, prep these things as questions. I want, I want to have those discussions with you all and, and see what it is that you get out of it. Am I interested in you trying to teach me something? No, I want to hear what you're learning. I want you, I learn by what you learn. 
I, I, I do better when you give me testimony, when you tell me what the Lord has, has said and done, and then we see the demonstration of it. You have just shared with me revelation as opposed to just giving me information. What I'm releasing to you right now comes from what God has revealed to me. You take this impartation. I've imparted something to you and I want you to take it, to learn from it, to move in it and to let this word have its place in you. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus and finish that scripture. I'm not going to, who thought it not robbery. I want you to go on and find that and, and, and finish that out. And then also, I'm just going to give you partials. Okay. Um, another one, the entrance of his word brings light. Do you know where that is? Because you should, and, and, and put that down, write that down as part of something that you're feeding upon, because this is bread that is being served. And then one other one, I think I want to give us, um, huh, do I want to do that one? Yes. Um, that, Oh, I like that one. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give you my favorite one. Psalm 138 verse eight. I'll tell you that everybody knows that one. The Lord perfects the things that concern me and he does not forsake the works of his hand. Do you see? So the entrance of his word brings light. Uh, the good work that he has begun, he will do what? He will bring it to completion. Do you know where that is in the scripture? Because these are words that start to to, to let you know, I can abide behind this. This is a shield for me. And it's a, it's a cleansing. It's a purity. It's a purification. All those different things that the father has. Um, the linen in, in the temple, when you look at the tabernacle, linen represents that purity. And um, freedom from guilt, I believe, let me, I'll have to verify, but yeah, freedom from guilt or the defilement of sin, um, freedom from any sinister or improper views as the purity of motives or design. So this is where now we're starting to look and Isaiah 54, 17, what I wanted to show you is the weapons that are formed against you come as thoughts. And I'm going to credit Apostle Calvin Cook for bringing that out with so much power the other day. But the weapons formed against you that try to prosper, they try to work from within. Remember, an implosion, a, a bomb that's been secretly planted that, that somebody can, can hit the spot and then have it uh, work against you. Those are some of the things that that an enemy will do. I want to, to plant something in you. I want to plant a seed of doubt. I want to plant a seed of fear. I want to plant a seed of, of disloyalty or selfishness or whatever it is, or find left that there. And you never dug it out. You never submitted it to the word of God. You never uh, decided to fight against, but you let it grow like wheats and tares and it grew alongside. And, and, and when they come to try to take it away, you're still holding on to it going, well, you know, it's just a little bit of a struggle. It's this, don't take pride in the struggle. Take the victory. Do you understand? Uh, don't feel proud that you're a victim because it just makes you more of one. And, and well, you know, I try, but it's like, you're trying to tell me that the word of God doesn't work. And what did he say? No weapon that can hurt you has ever been forged. There is nothing. The only thing is your, your choice, your power of choice. If you if you make the decision that you're not going to walk in these things, well, you, okay, that's your decision. But we say, let's move into the more of God. So these are the weapons that are formed against us our thoughts, our hurts, uh, the bitterness, the unforgiveness, 
the memories, the desperation, the neediness. Those are things that want to form against us to cause us to be unfaithful to our bridegroom. They want us to believe that God is not in the business of rescuing. They want us to believe that he doesn't care about us. They want us to believe uh, what these attacks, these little, little fiery darts that want to get you off of your confession of the truth of who God is and, and how much he loves you. See, our purity is not, and it tries to tell you, well, you know, look at all you've done. So you're not pure. Your purity is not rooted in what you have or have not done. It is rooted in the love of God and what he has done. It is rooted in the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. It is rooted in what God says. And, and so it's, it's always, always every victory that we have is always connected to the work of the finished work of the cross. The, the seated place in the heavenlies, the ability to speak from heaven into the earth instead of standing outside looking at the stars in the sky wondering where God is. Your position has changed from the time that Yeshua taught this prayer. And he was telling them, though, I want, I'm trying to give you a key to intimacy with the Father. And that everything that you're praying, everything about your life, everything that concerns you, you keep him involved on every level of what it is that you're doing. So those are just some thoughts on it. Um, I want, I know we're talking about relationships. So let me bring all of this home. This comes in terms of your relationship with yourself. Remember, if we've done the work and we have allowed the fellowship with the spirit of God to work in our lives, the other thing that is going to happen is that we're going to hear him very clearly. And we're going to see ourselves from heaven's point of view. We're going to see ourselves as beloved sons of God and not as uh, little inchworms, uh, you know, who are so low and so defeated and, and trying to earn love and trying to do stuff to get God to like you. You know, that's not who you are. You don't have to do that. All right. So that relationship now, then that impure, though, that harlotry that it's going to it, it what it wants to do is to also then start working against you in terms of your interaction with other people. And um, that's pretty much where I'm going to leave it today. I have so much more that I, I want to say, but I, and I'll give you these scriptures again. Uh, Mark seven, I, I guess I'll end with that. Mark chapter seven, verses 14 through 23. Which, um, let me see, where am I going to read it? Because I was talking about being defiled. I thought I had my little cute self together here. Okay, here we go. Mark chapter 7, verses 14 through 23. It will just paraphrase it this way, where it says, um, Hear and understand. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Now you read that passage of scripture, Mark chapter 7, verses 14 through 23. And then Jesus said this. He said, I want you to pay attention to what you allow to come out of your mouth and pay attention to the things that you say that originate from the words of others. Thus, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, something that as we really start to look at that, we're going to see, um, you're going to see how that connects to Isaiah 54, 17. He said that every tongue that rises up against you in judgment shall be proven wrong. Well, one of the tongues that typically rises up against us in judgment is our own. We say 
things about how old we are. We're too old. This scares us to death. We're never going to do this. Nothing ever changes. I'm, I'm always prone to getting sick at this time of year. This happens to me. Nothing ever works for me. God doesn't really love me and so forth and so on. So do you understand now what I'm saying? That's a inner cutting. It's, it's using a weapon that is forged by the adversary against the plans of God. And it's, it's bringing it, it's coming again. It's, it's, it's trying to get us to go worship someplace else. I'm, I don't have the strength. I, I, I'm not going to be able to overcome this, that, and the other. And those are things that you better pay attention to what you're saying. Um, he, the, this particular one, he says, all these are vomit from the heart. And there is the source of your pollution. That's Mark 7, 23. All of these evil things come from within and defile the man. Or the message translation says it's vomit from the heart. It's the inward belief that uh, wants to pollute, wants you to bow to it. And, and if you want to just read uh, chapter seven of Mark, and we'll just add that to our reading and then we'll talk about it. But I want to hear it again. Hear and understand. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Pay attention to what you allow to come out of your mouth. And pay attention to the things that you say that originate from the words of others, but do not originate from the word of God. And that's all we're going to talk about tonight. So I bless you in the name of the Lord. Uh, it's Wednesday night Bible study. So astounding love. Y'all know what to do. Uh, in terms of the offerings and the tithes, if you're going to release any of those, then, you know, go ahead and feel free to do so. And um, there's that information that it's Zell offerings of astounding love and so forth. You know what to do. But what I want to say to you is there's a lot of, of, of things here where we can start breaking down the works of evil, where we can start moving the things that the adversary has um wanted to use against us and we can start walking in the power of this word and we can start walking in the power it's the kingdom and we can allow him to have place in us the way that he wants to to do the things in us that he wants to do so on behalf of apostle baker and all of the uh, ministry staff and all of the people i release the love of god into your life I release this truth and I say that this word, that the entrance of it not only brings light, but it brings understanding. It brings you into a place of hunger and desire to be pleasing to God and to walk in the victory that is yours through the Lord Jesus Christ. I am Pastor Lindsay Lee. Looking forward to seeing you again next week. You have joined us for the Astounding Love Global Church Fellowship, Wednesday night Bible study, Kingdom 101 Relationships. Take what was taught tonight and look at how how well, uh, how you relate to it, how much of it works in your life and how much of it is just talk. And then let's make the changes and let's engage and hear what the Father says. I love you astoundingly and I will see you next.